0: Welcome to the Parent Guide to GCSE podcast episode number 16 and today's guest is Claire Yosa who is here to talk to us about beating exam stress. This episode was originally recorded as a live stream yard event.
1: Morning everybody. Morning. Um so, haha, today we are here live uh, for a live podcast episode on beating exam stress with Claire Yosa. She is an author of eight books and an international speaker and she's going to talk to us today about all sorts of things to do with exam stress and how to get past it. So Claire, welcome. Thank you, you Emily and Paul. Thank you.
2: It's lovely to be here.
1: Marvelous. Um so, do you wanna do a quick bit about why you are the right person to talk to us about this? Because I think that's that's always helpful for people to know. Anyone can, can jump on a, a live and say that they're an expert on something, but you have the creds to prove it. Did you wanna just talk us through briefly your
2: background? Sure, well, I originally trained as a mechanical engineer and did a master's degree in mechanical engineering in German, as you do. And I spent 10 years in engineering specializing in lean manufacturing and Six Sigma. So the whole just-in-time thing that came up a lot during the Brexit discussions. Mm -hmm. Then there came a point where I realized that I loved finding out how machines ticked, but actually I preferred finding out how people ticked. So I studied psychology, I became an NLP trainer, I actually moved and became head of market research for Dyson, which was great. So that was the link between the engineers, the marketing team and the customers. And then after a few years, I realized I couldn't make enough difference in somebody else's business. And I left and created my leadership development consultancy and training company. That was 17 years ago and I'm still running it now. And what I've specialized in over those 17 years is how to get out of our own way. So it's using what I would call practical psychology. Yeah, because it's, it's great reading these fascinating studies, but I'm very much a, well, so what person? How do I use this? The practical psychology, the practical neuroscience, how the brain is wired and how that affects our performance. And also at those deeper levels, what is the link between the mind, the body, our performance, I've specialized for 17 years in imposter syndrome, which is the fear of not being good enough and people finding out that we're fraud, even if we're outwardly successful. And then over the last five years, I've been taking this work into schools, as well as with my corporate clients and my entrepreneurial clients, working with teachers and parents to help them, to help children to be less stressed around exams, and also to make sure they don't pick up the baggage That we have had to carry for so many years from the throwaway comments that didn't really ever mean anything you know like when i was 15 my english teacher just wrote the word contrived on the bottom of an essay that i thought was really good and for 30 years i thought i couldn't write a story yeah and then i cleared that out and four months later my first novel was getting five-star reviews But it's this baggage stuff that we as adults find makes us shut down. We put on that armor. We wear the masks. We pretend to be who we're not. We don't get to express our full potential. My big passion is to help children to never have to pick that stuff up in the first place. And even if they have, to be able to let go of it easily. Because they do so much more easily than we do as grown-ups. We kick off tantrums. They just let it go that is quite a mission <coughs>
1: yeah awesome um, so specifically in terms of exam stress obviously can you talk us through a little bit about the the effect that it has? you know what is exam stress and what effect does it actually physically and psychologically have
2: on your on you absolutely so The the stress around exams has two main features. The one is the environmental stress, which can be simply having too many exams in too too few days, and you simply can't perform at your best that often in that short time period. It also has though an internal stress factor because the external stress, there's not a lot we can do about it. You know, teachers can do their best to make the exam environment comfortable and make sure the children know what to expect because uncertainty is a really big stress trigger. But the internal stress, this comes from the stories we're telling ourselves in our heads. You know, and we all know that feeling at three o'clock in the morning, we're lying there in the dark of the night and that inner critic starts going. And what happens when you think a stress based thought or a worry based thought, like what if the questions I can actually answer don't come up? What if I open that paper and it's the topics that we haven't covered you know and sometimes these thoughts are rational and sometimes they're not rational you know what if i open the paper and find out my teacher taught me the wrong syllabus you know which is very unlikely because teachers are usually pretty good at what they're doing and they've prepared ahead yeah but these thoughts they trigger off the fear response at a very autonomic nervous system level so this means it's beyond our conscious control you think a stress thought you think a worry thought it fires off the fight, flight, freeze response we've all heard of, so the adrenaline and the cortisol. This triggers those biochemical reactions in the body that get us ready to run or to hide or to pretend the saber-toothed tiger can't see us. That then triggers our emotions. So this is the cycle. The thought triggers the biochemical reactions that trigger the emotions, which are chemical reactions in the body, though they feel a lot more real than that, those emotions feed more thoughts. That cycle goes round and round until the inner critic has been, becomes what I call the inner drama queen, which is where we start the whole what if thing scenarios. And anybody with a teenager at exam stage knows that actually boy or girl, They are good at inner drama queens, yeah? Teenage years are one of our most expressive phases for inner drama queens. No comment. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) obviously present company accepted. We never did that, yeah. (laughs) Once the inner drama queen is in, these simple thoughts get exaggerated and we start adding in every other worry story and example that we can, which cranks up the biochemical reactions in the body, which makes the emotions stronger. So this in and of itself is not great because it means that a child is stuck in adrenaline. That can often provoke angry outbursts. It can cause them to want to eat lots of sugar. The issue is when we're in fight, flight, freeze mode, (laughs) it triggers the sympathetic nervous system. So the part of the nervous system responsible for keeping us safe from perceived threats. That doesn't care about your GCSEs that cares about escaping the saber-toothed tiger. So it diverts the blood flow in the brain from the frontal cortex, which is where all of the bits of your brain are that are gonna create the brilliant answers in your exam to the primal part that only cares about survival. So you've actually reduced the blood flow in the brain to the bit of the brain that can retain information when you're revising, that can look at one of those random questions and go, oh, that's what they mean and you're prioritizing the blood flow to the part of the brain that only cares about instantaneous decision-making. Do I run? Do I punch the tiger on the nose? Do I stroke its nose and say, please, dear little kitty, don't bite me. So you actually make it physically, neurologically difficult to perform at your best in the exam. And if this starts during revision, then what will happen, you'll notice a child will spend an hour doing a revision session and come away not really having learned something with a pretty grumpy mood. And all of this starts with our self-talk. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think um, in, in my book, I talked about the the different parts of the brain because we talk about the brain development in the book and how it kind of goes from back to front. Yes. So the, the decision-making bit is the last. And for a while, your drunk friends in Vegas are, are running the show before the designated driver gets to have a say in the matter. So yeah. it makes absolute sense. We've all had that moment where... You're you're in that situation, maybe a job interview or something, and somebody's asked you a question and you've gone, I can't
2: remember
1: anything that I've ever
2: done. (laughs) Exactly. It's exactly this. So if you imagine being in an exam situation and they're saying, right, okay, I want to know, know, say it's history and they want to know a certain thing about Tudor queens and kings. Yeah. Queen and kings. your brain will just freeze and you won't even necessarily be able to put them in the right order even though you know this stuff yeah and it's one of the huge challenges when we talk about our exam system and our you know measuring children's performance some children thrive in exams yeah there's two types of stress that are really important here and Hans Sellier was a psychologist and researcher and he coined the term eustress so eu stress which comes from the greek meaning good so he talked about two types of stress distress and eustress and a lot of people say well actually i need those nerves to get me to perform to give me that edge children who excel in exams have connected with eustress which is a tiny little bit of stress that just gives us that edge on performance children who struggle in exams are often connected with distress which is this fight flight freeze mode which means that blood flow has shifted and they're stuck in the primal part of their brain so exams are a really tough way to measure it unless we're also teaching children how to get out of distress and into eustress stress.
0: I mean, most uh, obviously all children are different but when when does this run up to the exam start where they're starting to feel really stressed? Is it is there a, an average? Is there a, a week before or a month before? Or is it literally on the day where they're sitting there thinking, I can't remember anything? It's gone blank.
2: Just Sorry, it's Great, great question. I've seen this year as we're recording this at where are we in lockdown? Um, this year it's yeah. become much, much earlier because the children sitting GCSEs this year have watched their peers last year go through what they went through. And I've actually seen signs in children that exam stress started in August when the Mm -hmm. government in the UK made the decisions it did about how to award grades. And I've seen and heard from parents whose children have been stressed from that point onwards. Obviously Mm -hmm. the stress doesn't stay at this level the whole time, but children will have triggers. So some children will be triggered by the word exam because they've become anchored into, oh my goodness, exam has become this huge, great big thing. Other children might be triggered by the word revision. Other children might not be triggered until they sit behind that desk, which is why in mock or trial exams, it's so important for children to be in the same environment they'll be in for their final exams so that they get used to it. So it depends on the child. As parents or as teachers, we can all see the warning signs. With teenagers, it's either those angry outbursts or they go quiet, mm-hmm. yeah? And it's how much are they fighting you on revision? You know, when they're doing their revision, are they actually doing it or have they snuck a device into the room and they've just spent an hour gaming, yeah? That's so our child did. We've got a story about that.
0: <laughs> Most of our listeners know about Luke's. Kindle episodes (laughs) rather than revision.
2: Exactly, exactly. So this year I think we need to be particularly aware of supporting our teens through this process because they've heard on the news what's been going on. One of the major triggers for fight flight freeze is uncertainty and although the government is claiming they have certainty at the moment actually inside they don't really, particularly when they see things changing in Scotland and potentially Wales. So The key for us as parents is to teach them the techniques that help them to press pause on those thoughts, that help them to reduce the stress cycle, and also then to celebrate the progress that they are making. So we don't leave this till they're sitting in the exam. This starts now, so that when they sit in the exam, they can really fulfill their potential and feel like they did a good job. Absolutely, yeah. Because the
1: the long-term effects of High levels of cortisol; and things
2: are are
1: horrendous. They are having, having been there and done that. Yeah, myself. And um, it's not a pleasant place to be. So it's mm. it now is the time, very much I think, for parents to be stepping in and and supporting their children and looking out for those signs. So. Um, very very grateful to have you here
2: thank you you're welcome i'd also i'd like to ask you a question emily and paul um with your members have you have you found something that i've been seeing is now that we've got the grade nine at gcses is that some children are putting themselves under pressure where before an a star would have been outstanding suddenly that's now feeling like a failure and they're pushing themselves to nines Mm -hmm.
1: yeah definitely it's something that i've i saw through my teaching the end of my teaching career as well, when when nines were introduced, and mm-hmm. the the cynic in me says the reason that they've gone one to nine rather than the old yeah. nine to one, as uh, some people might remember with O levels, the reason they've gone that way is because at some point they can then introduce a ten and move the goalposts mm-hmm. some more and stress mm-hmm. out some more children. It's um yeah it's it's definitely an an issue. I mean I still beat myself up over the fact that I only got one A star at GCSE. And I should have got more than that, frankly. Mm-hmm. I coasted a little bit. Uh, didn't get it in maths, which my degree is in. Yeah. It still bothers me at nearly, <laughs> nearly years old. So, yeah. you know, that's definitely mm-hmm. something that, that they've been talking about. I mean, at the moment, the biggest thing we're hearing about is the, the uncertainty and the, the varied kind of day-to-day reality that they're having. Some kids are having up to three weeks off in a row because of... Mm-hmm really mm. poorly timed exposure to somebody yeah. with a positive test and some kids have barely had any time <laughs> off and it's um mm. it's really yeah. difficult i think to to balance everyone's experience across the year
0: with our twins there's this big obviously twins do uh, have a lot of competition but one of them got a nine in maths which is amazing and the other one only got only using the term really loosely got an eight an eight in match is absolutely amazing, but I think yeah. the way the, the banter, if that's what they call it, yeah. has gone on over the, since those results came out, is that the one who got the nine just thinks it's amazing and rightly so, but mm-hmm. he's kind of almost got to the point of talking his brother down, because he only got this eight and it, it's ridiculous because an eight is absolutely yeah. amazing.
2: It is incredible. Um,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah, it's very hard for them. So one <laughs> of the things that we can do immediately if you spot your team being stressed, is with teenagers, one of the things that works really well is being physical. Mm -hmm. So what you wanna be able to do is to to reset that stress response. You wanna be able to take them out of the sympathetic nervous system with those biochemical reactions and the emotions back into balance, which is where the parasympathetic nervous system, the relaxation response is in balance. So they're relaxed, but alert. Mm -hmm. And you often won't get a teen in that state to do any kind of exercise or practice that's complicated. But what teens do love doing is sighing, okay? We all know teens can sigh. So one of the things that you can do, yeah. So what you do is you just, you need to connect with them in a way that says, look, I'm I'm sensing that you're feeling stressed, which they will probably deny. So you need to have the conversation initially before they're stressed is, I've got some techniques. These can help. Am I allowed to use them with you if I think you need them? Three deep sighing breaths. So you breathe in through the nose and out yeah doing your biggest teenage sigh doing one more time breathing in and allowing the shoulders to drop yeah and then one more breathing in and then you can ask them to place their hand on their belly just below the rib cage where the diaphragm is to close their eyes And spend about 10 slow breaths just being fully aware of the movement of their hand as they breathe in and they breathe out. So this takes about 60 seconds. It's very physical, which resonates with teens. It's got the sighing, which we we know they love. And what it does is it resets the sympathetic nervous system. So it turns off the fight, flight, freeze in just one minute you're also consciously if you see tension like if they're clenching their jaw or their eyes or their shoulders are up like earrings as you breathe out just let your shoulders go yeah and then that mindful breathing it brings them back to relax but alert because one of the things that is impossible is when they're in that stress zone using logic to talk them out of it is not going to work because that inner critic drama queen cycle is going to use what's called the backfire effect to dig its heels in and defend itself yeah When you bring them back into neutral, you can start talking to them and they'll start being able to hear you. That's the point at which to be encouraging, to be reinforcing, you know, hey, but look at what you got in that last assignment and I know you can do this. So something, having interventions like that, so three deep sighing breaths, relaxing the body, coming back to this moment and then that minute of hand over the diaphragm, just gently, calmly breathing is enough to press an emergency reset,
0: so they can do this pre-exam. Um, yeah, actually, because <laughs> they've always got a minute when they're sat down in the exam hall, whilst all the stuff's been explained, which normally means you're not allowed to look at other people. So they know what's coming, but they could spend that one minute.
1: Yeah,
0: doing the reset. Sorry, I'm
1: just I'm mentally picturing being an invigilator <laughs> in the hall, looking at no.
2: the
1: doing that like. <laughs> 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 should be standing so it?
2: The time to start practicing is when they're revising, which is why I'm so thrilled to be able to be here today, because it means that parents have got these tools to share with their teens now as we're building up to this, because you want them to be anchored into it. As soon as they set the intention of I'm going to relax, actually it happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're doing it now. So that in the exam, they might not be able to do the deep sigh, but they'll be able to do breathing that just says, right, okay, scan my body for tension. Let that tension go. Maybe they'll have their hands flat on the table. Maybe that's it. Maybe they'll put their hand on their belly and they'll just do that quiet breathing. And once they're anchored into it, it can work in just a few seconds. But to get anchored into it, they need to have practiced it kind of 20, 30, 40 times over the preceding months. Ideally, every time they revise is to deliberately calm their body and calm their breathing. Sit up straight with shoulders back because that allows a cerebral spinal fluid to flow more effectively, which obviously is what provides the food for the brain. And then that means that the revision, every time they sit down and think, right, it's time to go and focus on this topic, they're anchored into being relaxed but alert. They've got the blood flow where they need it in the right part of the brain. Their breathing is good because if we slouch, typical teen thing, yeah, we all did it. Did you have a friend whose mum used to poke you in the middle of the shoulder blades, shoulders back? Because I think most of us did, yeah. (laughs) because <laughs> the typical teen is we're doing this which compresses the lungs mm-hmm. stops the diaphragm working properly reduces the oxygen in the blood flow to the brain which means the brain is less efficient so that whole thing about shoulders back sitting up straight okay i'm focused i'm here now i'm relaxed but alert it gives them a physiological advantage to be able to remember the information they need to in the exam and to be able to, particularly a lot of exams, it's about connecting different topics in a way you might not have done before, which can trigger a stress response. So Paul, that would be the ideal point. If you feel a tension in the body when you read a question is okay, that means I need to relax. I need to stand down before that tension starts to become a thought chain that triggers my inner drama queen and cost me 10 minutes of the exam.
0: So they might be thinking, well, I can't afford a minute to do that because I know we've got six minutes on this paper. And my teacher said, but you're saying that by doing that, they'll probably save themselves nine minutes of not... Exactly. Kind of clear thought.
2: Exactly. And if they've practiced this a lot over the coming months, it won't take a minute. It'll take 10 seconds. Yeah. And I love the fact that this isn't kind of, as you say,
1: engineer approved woo-woo. This is physiological. This is a body hack. This is how can you trick your body into relaxing using the way that the body works exactly with a really simple technique in, yeah. in many
0: respects this slightly upsets me because i've been a teacher for 15 years i didn't know any of this
1: oh, i'm sorry and
0: you spend so <laughs> much time preparing them for exams yeah. drilling information one way or another all yeah. the various techniques and and this
1: i've never done it either this
0: small uh, tweak mm, yeah. what you call it um practical step can make probably more difference than those last two or three weeks of information overload almost. So, um, fantastic advice.
2: You're welcome, Well, it's, and it's so easy. And it's something that once they're used to it, nobody will even know they're doing it because the sighing, they can just imagine, they can visualize it or they can sense it because they will have a body memory that says, right, I'm setting the intention of using this breathing technique to relax right now. Hmm. Yeah, but because you're triggering the parasympathetic nervous system, it's really important to also add in the posture because what you don't want is the relaxation response becoming that. Yeah, so yeah. that's why you relax, but it's shoulders back, back straight, chin ch- tucked, chin t- slightly under, so that you've got the alertness to balance it out. And it's actually something I learned about 15 years ago when I was studying to become a meditation teacher. Whereas, if you've ever seen people meditating, there's this thing we call the nodding donkey. Is somebody sitting there and suddenly they go, like, and they wake themselves up. Yeah, and you've probably seen it in exam rooms as well when someone's stressed out. Mm -hmm. by doing that relaxation and then lengthening the spine shoulders back chin tucked under that puts the body into the balance it puts it into homeostasis so the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous systems are in balance so for teenagers it's important after the breathing to get that posture imagining they're like opening up their heart saying right okay i can do this exam it's amy cuddy's power pose actually is based on the yoga tadasan mountain pose it's that opening up and expanding to feel more confident. So they're sitting confidently. They've turned down the volume on their inner critic. It's the brilliant thing with the breathing. It slows the thoughts. It puts a gap in the thoughts. So you can then choose which thoughts to feed. And you can consciously train yourself to think thoughts that are more encouraging during the exam that keep the stress response at bay, no matter what questions show up. Mm. Now, just in case people haven't come across the
1: power pose, because I only found out about it because they talked about it on Grey's Anatomy and, yeah. and they used to do it before important surgeries. But it's the the standing like a superhero with your, your hands on yeah. your hips and your shoulders yeah. back and that that kind of you know in the credits where Superman's got his cape billowing yeah. that kind of bit. Um and and it does make a difference. Studies have shown yeah. that it it makes you more capable when you then get in to do the job that you're preparing to go and do so same applies for exams so if you're lining up it doesn't matter how stupid it looks if you're lining up outside the exam hall mm. go for it <laughs> you know, so actually
2: what you can do because obviously for teens, teens image is quite important okay. is you can because the, the the hands on the hips that works great if you're in the lose and nobody's watching so all you need to do as a teen is feet flat on the floor about hip width apart Imagine that you're drawing up through the soles of your feet, the strength from the earth, the strength of a mountain, coming up through the legs, up through the torso, really out through the crown of the head, okay? And that's at the point you just put shoulders back, arms loosely by the side, chin tucked under, and you just allow yourself to feel grounded and to breathe in the confidence of that mountain. And then you can do it in a way that nobody will know that you're doing. Mm. Awesome.
0: And with mocks coming up? It's a perfect opportunity to um it try, yeah. most schools are
2: it absolutely is.
0: after half term, so
2: absolutely is. And if you're if you're not as vertically challenged as I am, the way to do this sitting down is feet flat on the floor. Yeah. If you're sitting there and you're doing your mocks and you're cross-legged, you actually the body becomes out of balance and it creates a slight stress. So if you can help your child to practice sitting at their desk with good posture, straight back, chin tucked under and then the feet flat on the floor, it allows the body to feel grounded and supported. And it's it's quite a physiological thing. It's a kinesthetic thing, is your feet flat on the floor, back straight, you actually do feel the support of the floor beneath your feet and the chair beneath your bottom. Mm.
0: So is there something they could do during the exam to remind them to do this? Is it a case of maybe having some mm. notes, some- Triggers. Triggers, thank you. So I'm...
2: I would practise it during revision because you want it to be second nature. So what can really help as parents is if we help them create a revision space that allows them to have their feet flat on the floor, even potentially talking to teachers at school saying, you know, if you've got a child, I mean, I'm five foot two, and that's the height I was when I was 12. So I've had swinging feet on most chairs in the world for a few decades now. But it's actually a real issue, particularly for shorter children and for taller children, because they end up sitting with their knees at this angle. You know, what could be done in the exam hall to allow the children to have a confident, balanced, grounded posture? Yeah. So it's practice it when revising. And, you know, you don't have to sit there for hours. It's just remembering this is my confidence pose. This is my grounded pose. And if a child has got short legs like me, finding a way for them to create that in the exam situation, but starting it now, because once you're in the exam, you know, you're not going to remember it needs to be anchored in already. It's something else that can be really useful for anchoring is their watch or the clock on the wall if they don't have a watch. Every time you find yourself looking at your watch, because we do it a lot during exams, is remind yourself, take a deep breath in and let go of any stress and worry, yeah? Anchoring yourself into that means you're constantly, gently bringing yourself out of any stress response and you've practiced it. Every time I look at my watch, There's a really useful mantra as well that can help to reduce stress in the middle of an exam because particularly if we've spent too long on one question and we suddenly realize how much there is to go. So this is a really useful one to teach them during revision, okay? Instead of, oh God, I don't have enough time. Yeah, I'm running out of time, which triggers the stress response. There's a mantra I use, I am grateful for the time I have. I'm grateful for the time I have. This means you can look at your watch, see that you've only got 15 minutes left when you thought you had 30, and instead of losing five minutes and diverting the blood flow, you're saying, okay, well, I'm grateful I've still got 15 minutes. What am I gonna do with it? Yeah? Again, practice now. So there, anchored into, I look at my watch, I'm grateful for the time I have. So that doesn't become a stress trigger for them during the exam. Indeed. So um, now you mentioned um, and I'm just going
1: to pop up Vicky's comment first, so early stress due to uncertainty of exams and the mm. news, we had a lot of that over the summer, especially mm. with um, now year 12s, when they were waiting to find out and everything that happened on the news triggered mm. a sudden bout of, of anxiety, um, so obviously teaching the techniques right now is mm. one of the most important things we can do as parents to support our children, now you mentioned you had an ABC
2: Yeah Yeah. So one of the things that's also running in the brain is something called the reticular activating system. And one of its jobs is to filter in sensory information from the outside world. So until I ask you, I'm guessing you probably weren't aware of the blood pressure in the little toe on your left foot at a conscious level, unless there's a problem with it. But at some level, your brain is because it needs to make sure it's still getting the blood flow it needs. Similarly, everything in the outside world is constantly being monitored by the brain. The reticular activating system governs what comes through into our conscious awareness, which is why if you buy a car that's red, suddenly every car on the road is red because the reticular activating system says, hey, red cars are really important to Claire. Let's make sure she spots them all. In an exam context and a performance at school, it's filtering in the information about how our performance is going. If our internal dialogue is, oh, I'm no good at math and I'm rubbish at English and I failed that last exam, particularly if there's a strong emotion with that self-criticism, we've actually trained the reticular activating system to spot evidence to support that because its job is to to spot threats. Yeah. So you would train it. Sabre tooth tiger, bad. Cute, fluffy bunny. Good. So it will show you the saber tooth tiger, even if you're consciously doing something else. So being able to retrain the reticular activating system is really useful. And it starts to turn your inner critic into a genuine cheerleader. The way I teach this is the ABC. So you spot that you've had this negative thought and you accept it. Because normally what we do is we go to war with that thought. Yeah, it's like, I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to push that thought away, which means we're giving it all of our focus and attention by accepting it and saying, oh, that was a negative thought. It takes away all of its power, and it means we don't end up going into the drama queen cycle. The B is breathe. Exactly the technique we've just done. Three deep-sighing breaths and a minute of belly breathing. So what you've done then is you've reset the sympathetic nervous system, you've calmed those thoughts, and you potentially even changed their tone. And then the C is choose. So accept, breathe, choose. Mm-hmm. Choose to think a genuinely positive thought about that topic and allow yourself to feel that thought in your body so if i look at maths for example <clears throat> the thought might have been oh i'm absolutely rubbish at algebra yeah which is a match my dear mother had her entire life yeah we couldn't shake that <clears throat> i'm absolutely rubbish at algebra i'm never going to pass algebra in the exam <clears throat> okay except that is actually just a thought breathe to reset choose okay think about one thing in algebra actually you can do and allow yourself just to give you that moment of actually I can do that and feel it if you do this several times a day catching those thoughts it only takes a week or two and you have changed the frequency of those inner conversations you have cranked them up from beating yourself up to being much more positive yes it's as simple as that a b c accept breathe choose
0: So outside the example, before you're um, in, you know, lining up mode, um, I've always seen over many, many, many years, there's lots of different groups of people. There's, and I'm not being gender specific here, but boys sitting there hooning around, jumping on each other's backs, giggling, prattling around. There's always uh, a few who are sitting down studying, generally girls, um, and then there's some people who stand on their own and just want to be away from everyone. Is that typical and, is there a strategy or is there one thing that you would suggest to do in that five, 10 minute run up to actually going and sitting in the mm. example? Could that be a thing?
2: Yeah. <clears throat> so a brilliant thing to do at that point is um, and this is something I would encourage parents to get their kids to do after they've done a revision session. So, again, it's second nature. I call it celebrating micro wins. OK, so you do a revision session, no matter how it goes. Before you pack away at the end of that session, you consciously choose to think of three things during that session that you did well and you just allow for each one it's like okay i got question seven right and i haven't expected to yeah or i understood question 17 even though it was a cheeky tricksy one yeah you consciously think of three of those and you just sit with each one just for a moment and just go yeah i did that like a little mini celebration inside three is enough because then what it's doing is it's starting to reprogram the reticular activating system. It's starting to train your brain to spot what you're doing well, not just criticize you. Then in that five minutes before the exam, just run through those micro wins as though they're like a photo album in your head. Yeah, and I appreciate actually teens probably have never seen photo albums. So what (laughs) your teen's equivalent of is it, you know, just swiping photos on their phone, just thinking through their micro wins from the revision, from every little test they've done I did this well, I did this well, I did this well. So what it means is you're just giving yourself that positive reinforcement as you go into the exam. And it means you're actually programming the brain in that five minutes to be more likely to spot questions that match up with what you did well. It's easy for you to spot the questions where you will excel. And it almost becomes intuitive, but actually it's the reticular activating system saying, oh, she really loved that kind of question. There's one of those. Brilliant, let's do it. Yeah? Yeah? So." Yeah, the micro wins as they're going through and you will need to coach them through it. You know, they'll have done a revision session. Tell them what you're doing. Tell them there's a stupid woman called Claire that said it might be a good idea. Blame me. And then play with this over the coming months so that as they're standing there, instead of feeling the exam nerves, what they're doing is connecting with excitement because the hands sell your work on you stress. The difference between fear and excitement is tiny in the body. And what you're doing is taking that fear energy, putting it into excitement energy, which can connect you with the stress that gives you that edge to be able to perform. Love it. It fits quite nicely. We, we've we had a tradition
1: for a while of trying to do positives of the day. So when we sit down for dinner together, we try and go around the table and everybody has to do a positives of the day because we, we do have our very own captain negative And we were trying to help him retrain his brain. And it's gotten easier and easier as we've gone along. And it's worked. I've got yeah. to say.
2: It really does. It really does. And also with your team, um, the single most potent way to do it is to get them to write it down yeah and actually to physically write it down with handwriting rather than with thumbs Mm. so if your teen is finding it useful that can take it to the next level because then every time they're writing if particularly if they use the type of pen they'll be using the exam they're anchored into using that pen to write stuff that's about unlocking their potential rather than criticizing themselves so it's Mm.
0: another note for parents there lots of nice pens same way, yes. even if it's not the same pen, it's the same make. They will never yeah. know.
1: We, uh, I will always seek out. Uh, it's these are the um, Paper Mate InkJoy pens. Yeah. Throw in a little bit of advertising for them, but I've been using those for <laughs> a few years now, and they're just so nice to write with that I will actively go and seek one in a different room of the house if I can't find one. In so I can exam, write. With
0: don't use purple in yeah, the exam. Yeah, don't use purple use in an
1: exam. Black <laughs> exam. <laughs> <laughs> i know, we're a teacher house. We have purple pens
0: and green pens and
1: green pens. Yes, but yeah, um. Oh so much incredibly useful
2: stuff there uh, I thought- and all, all of it just takes a minute yeah? yeah the key is the practice yeah that is the key yeah. is the practice. Yeah. if you if you wait till they're about to go into the exam and say hey let's celebrate some micro wins you're just going to get the look okay yeah. <laughs> it's not going to work so the key is the little and often and You know, if you're watching this now when we're in October, that's great. We've got months to go. If you're watching this and it's like two days before the exam, it's never too late to start. Yeah, the ancient Chinese proverb, the second best time to plant an oak tree is today. Yeah, wherever you are in that cycle, you can start with this now. The breathing, just doing that, doing the ABC, doing the micro wins. The more they practice, the more effective this is. And the thing that gets me really excited and actually makes me cry sometimes is If we teach these kids this stuff about their exams, they've got a reason to do it then. The exams are their why. But actually what they don't necessarily understand is we're teaching them skills for life. Mm. Because if at this age we know how to choose which thoughts to feed and how to stop beating ourselves up, how to stop comparing ourselves to others, the difference that can make for life is huge. And it's one-minute chunks. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because GCSE into post-16 follows pretty quickly. And these are all... Yeah. yeah, absolutely valid the whole yeah. way through.
1: Then you you blink and you're an adult with teenage children of your own and you're thinking to yourself, well, goodness, I do this to myself quite a lot. I That's went through recently and, and did a lot of this mental work in, in retraining my brain slightly, and it's made such a difference. Yeah. I've still got a ways to go, but I'm working on it, and yeah. it genuinely has improved pretty much everything in my life That's because right. I've stopped yeah. it beating myself up so much. It's something that I think if you're watching as a
2: parent, you should try this too. I'm just saying. Oh, please do. Amazing lady called um, Emily it. do it. Um, <laughs> Emily, that's such an important point is we need to do this with our kids because they know when we're not congruent. Yeah. And once they start doing this stuff, they'll spot where we're using language that's beating ourselves up and they're going to call us out on it. Yeah. Just like they will tell us that top is terrible on you. They (laughs) will tell us that you just said that means your self-talk's doing this and you're not meant to do that. Yeah. And by doing it with them, particularly the breathing, children learn by imitation. And I know that that decreases over the years as we learn more cognitively, but we're still hardwired to learn through imitation. Mm-hmm. So the best way to teach this to your kids is actually to be practicing it yourself. And as you say, Emily, it has an enormous difference on how we experience life.
0: I mean, Indeed. if any of the parents are teachers, this this could also be called uh, beating Ofsted stress. Yeah, yes. something yes. any teacher knows. <laughs> the practical steps it doesn't matter yes. whether you're a teacher a professional or a teenager doing GCSEs or A-levels yes all of these strategies are
1: it's the the well automatic trigger yeah yeah when you hear
2: stress as a teacher you think Ofsted that's how it yeah. works Hi, <laughs> yes not that's suboptimal um Emily and Paul I wanted to also share a self-mentoring question that you can use with a teenager if they've dug their heels in and they want to defend their right to be rubbish at a subject or they're going to fail yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay <clears throat> so Teenagers, they're at that age where they love to construct evidence, yeah, and that's when they often get this sense of injustice and fairness. If they're throwing you the story about everything that's going wrong and how they're going to fail the exam, you need to let them offload that for a couple of minutes because sometimes they just need to kind of go blur. When they pause for breath, yeah, totally without judgment, is that really true or is that just the story that your mind's telling you? So is that really true? Well, yes, of course it is. Well, actually, quite often I'll say, oh, actually, is it? What is true in this? You know, if we were to take out all of the emotions and the stress, what are the actual facts? And sometimes you might need to get them to do the ABC first. But what is, you know, is that really true? Okay, if we took out the emotions, what are the actual facts? Okay, and then my magic question, what do you want instead? So what you're doing is you're honoring the fact that they're in a painful place you're helping them to take out the emotions, what do I want instead turns their focus towards the solution. And it needs to be something that's within their control and that's positively phrased. So within their control, because you know, well, actually I want the exam board to just disappear, isn't something (laughs) they're likely to achieve on their own. Yeah, it needs to be something they can control and positively phrased because right now, if I tell you do not imagine a pink donkey playing a saxophone in a blue tree, you can probably tell me what tune it's playing. So, is this really true? Okay, take out the emotions. What are the facts? What do you want instead? And then, what is the very first action you can take to move you towards that? So, what this does is when things have become mountains, it takes them back to molehills. It helps you to help them take out the emotions to find a solution and to start taking tiny action towards that. And as a life skill, that's just incredible because most of us get stuck in the emotions in the mountains for many years. But from a point of view of, OK, I actually really struggle with this. Great. So it's this one topic. What is it about that topic you're struggling with? And you can start to chunk down to what the real problem is. Great. What do you want instead? I want to be able to answer questions on that easily without freaking out. Great. What's the first step? OK, we need to talk to the teacher about something or you need to watch this YouTube video. Yeah. So this yeah. is a process we can use as, par- as parents to take them from the drama queen mountains, and I say that truly without judgment because it's almost an unconscious thing. Back to the mole hills, into taking action to turn it around and actually create a positive outcome. Yeah.
0: So I'm just I'm laughing. Some really reading reading comment comments here. you'll put them on the screen um, so you can.
2: Yes, spot
1: on. And um, yes, I will definitely pop some of this stuff. On here, and obviously you can go to Claire's website and have a look at some of the techniques on there as well. Mm. Um, If I come up with any useful additional reading, such as for example, you might be able to see a book in the background there about beating imposter syndrome. Actually,
2: all of all of these (laughs) are in there. All of these Mm. techniques are in there. There's also there are resources at beatingexamstress.com and the ABC. I actually have a little video and cheat sheet to guide parents through that which is claireyosa.com forward slash ABC.
1: Fab. In fact, let's just pop that back up again for a
2: second. There you go.
1: So um so yeah, we've got um just yeah, totally. Yeah. It's the practical side of things that makes such mm-hmm. a difference. The um you know and we've got we all have to sit up now because we put on a really tall comment. Mm-hmm. But um Vicky's already <laughs> sitting up straighter at her desk. <laughs> Perfect. I'm very aware now how much I slouch during the day, and I've got my legs
2: crossed, and I have to do better now. But uh, it depends whether you need to, because sometimes that relaxation is actually what we need, but not when you're revising or sitting in the exam. Mm -hmm. Yes. we've got lots
0: of thank you so much is coming in here thank you
2: thank you so much everyone well thank you to everybody watching because taking the time to watch this and then go and play with this stuff with your kids and play with it with yourself is what actually makes the biggest difference so thank you
0: this could be a game changer for those with you know kids who are really sort of anxious and and worry about these things worry about exam stress
1: and even if they're not feeling especially anxious or worried just these little techniques these little extra body hacks mm, that yeah. you can do to make a difference just to your blood flow and mm. the the kind of the the physiological side of the way you can impact on your body and your brain that stuff mm. is priceless yeah. so thank you very much huge thank yous Good and you very well. thank you for yeah, inviting me. me at some point yes. I think <laughs> Um, Right, so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, if you are watching this and you've just caught the end, then you can go back and watch this anytime on Facebook. It'll stay on the page. And we will also make sure that we get it all organized and chopped together properly and pop it out on the podcast as well so that as many people as possible can get this information. So please do share the video with your fellow parents because I think this one is uh, something that everyone needs to hear. And again, a huge thank you, Claire, for your time. Thank you an, so thank much, Emma. It was an absolute joy.